Welcome to Diverse, the podcast of the Society of Women Engineers. SWE supports the advancement of women in engineering and technology. You can find all of our podcasts on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, and SWE's blog all together at altogether.swe.org. Looking for more information and data on women in engineering? Head over to research.swe.org and review the groundbreaking research that SWE has been conducting. SWE's research efforts include reporting on women of color in engineering and how community colleges may play a role in getting more women to graduate with engineering degrees. You can also check out the annual SWE Literature Review in SWE Magazine's State of Women in Engineering issue. Hi, I'm Heather Doty, FY21 President of the Society of Women Engineers. Welcome to SWE's Diverse Podcast Series. Please remember to add this podcast to your iTunes and like or follow us on social media. Visit SWE.org for more details. I'm joined today by WE Local India keynote speaker, Susan Ferguson, country representative at the United Nations Women Office for India. She joined UN Women in 2017 after a long career in international development. She has lived and worked in South Africa, Solomon Islands, and Papua New Guinea, where she has lived for 12 years. Her diverse career is spanned by the themes of gender equality and social justice. Thanks for joining us today, Susan. You're welcome, Heather. Thanks for having me. Yes. Could you please walk us through your academic and professional accomplishments? Where did you go to school and how did your studies influence your career path? Sure. Okay. Well, um, I actually went to school in a country town in Western Queensland in Australia. So my primary and secondary schooling were very ordinary and very typical of many Australians. It was just an ordinary public school in a country town. So, um, but I did enjoy school, which was good. And I then got into university in the capital of that state and I did a Bachelor of Social Work. And then many years later, I did a Master's of International and Community Development. So, um, and my, and my, actually those degrees were absolutely essential to my career. In fact, to work for the UN, you have to have a master's degree. So, um, without that, I never would have got to where I am in the UN. Um, and really they opened up my life, um, in so many different ways. And I think I was very lucky because my mother was educated. So she saw the value of educating myself and my sister, whereas my dad wasn't educated. So he really just thought we'd get married and have kids. And what was the point of doing um, anything further after school? So I'm so grateful to my mother because without my education, I never would have had the career I've had the opportunity to have. Well, it sounds like you really enjoy your career. So um, can you tell us a little bit about your professional goals as a country representative at the UN Women Office for India? Sure. Um, Well, we, I mean, the overall goal is to try and improve the lives of women and girls in India. Um, And we do that through supporting the government and uh, their policies and legislative framework to improve the lives of women and girls. And we also work with civil society and um, as implementing partners and also as sort of thought leaders, I guess, on gender equality in the country. And we work with the private sector also to try and improve uh, women's economic um, empowerment. But we also do a lot of work around ending violence against women. 
and women in peace building, women's leadership in different um, areas of work, including in, um, you know, science and mathematics and engineering, um, because women's leadership is essential to that. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that's a bit of an overview. It's quite a big and complex program, but they're our key focus areas. And we really believe that if we can reduce the level of violence against women, or I mean, preferably eliminate it entirely, um, and then other opportunities for women also open up. Um, and without economic empowerment, of course, women sometimes can't make the most or take up any choices because they don't have economic choices. So that's why we focus on those areas. Well, I think that's fantastic. I, I love that there's an organization working towards those goals. Um, so our audience is primarily engineers. So in your view, do engineer do women engineers perform or contribute differently? And how is you and women involved in promoting women in STEM and engineering in particular? Well, um, yes, I think without women engineers, I think that it's, it means that some of women's needs in the built environment, for example, might not be taken into account. You know, so much of what women do at local level um, and even at village level, for instance, you know, gathering water, um, engineers have a huge role to play in um, creating and building water supply systems that are accessible for for women who are really the key stakeholder in provision of water. Um, in fact, I've, I've heard so many different scenarios where uh, water engineers out of, you know, very good um, motivations uh, try to address this issue of accessibility of water by, you know, building um, a water supply system in a particular spot, thinking that that would suit women. For example, one um, example is engineers built a system um, of water supply in the middle of a village thinking, well, that's going to cut down the time that women have to um, spend every day in trekking to and from and gathering water. But actually they found that women continued to use the, the older water supply system on the outside of town and they, they found out actually it was because women enjoyed meeting there and talking to each other. They felt they couldn't do that in the middle of town. You know, if women engineers had been a part of that program, maybe those women would have been able to actually talk to the women in a much more open and easy way to hear their needs and be able to respond appropriately. So, you know, this is why diversity, not just in engineering, but in any, um, in any area of work is so important because Women bring different things to the table often. They bring different ideas, um, different interests, for example, than men may, and this is essential for engineering. We work with the European Commission, actually, um, delivering a program called We Empower Asia, which contributes to the economic empowerment of women and recognises them as beneficiaries and partners of growth and development. And the program really looks at helping private companies look at gender issues within their own company so that women have a chance to rise to the top 
and so that companies can use the 100% of their talent, and that includes companies who are engineering firms. So um, under the backdrop, of course, of the pandemic, it's really even more important to help firms kind of free up the ability of all of their employees to contribute to building back better after the you know post-pandemic. Yeah, you know, one of the things that we were going to talk about next, and and maybe from your perspective, what are what kinds of obstacles do you see that women in engineering face, and how can they overcome them? Yeah, well, um, I think one of the key problems is this perception that it's not a female role, um, and this sort of subterranean perception about the kinds of roles that women and men should play um, really are major deterrents for women doing jobs that are unstereotypical, you know. So I think girls are often brought up from early in their lives to think that men are engineers, so they don't even consider going into that that role. Um, and... Um, so that's that's one of the, the key areas. You know, women are often sort of seen as better communicators and team building skills. And there's even some evidence actually that says that women who are engineers often move into the management side rather than the technical side because they're seen as better communicators, the, the sort of soft skills, which are, of course, based on gender norms and um, ideas about the kinds of roles women and men are good and bad at, which, you know, of course, isn't isn't necessarily true. Um, right, right. So, and it's uh, it's funny though because communication is such an important part of being an engineer. So, of course, don't think about that piece of it. <laughs> that's right. And actually, the flip side is that um, you know there are women who are really good at that. And there are also men who are really good at that. And it would be good if that was valued really well so that it, it became a desirable skill and a desirable area to get into for both women and men. I think Absolutely. other barriers other barriers are really things around the kind, again, related to these norms and ideas about the roles of women. So women are often still the primary carers at home, even if they are in very responsible engineering jobs with long hours of work. So often women have this sort of double or triple burden of care where they work a full day and then they come home and they work another set of hours doing domestic work in the house, looking after the children, getting the dinner on the table. And it it's so it's very difficult often for women to work the long hours that are expected in firms um, because this, again, this is seen as an invisible part of the role um, for women to play this domestic work. Um, and, again, there's some really interesting research around this as well, the difference in hours that women and men um, uh, spend on domestic work. And it really is a key inhibitor of women's work in the, in the, the formal paid sector. You know, really the solution to that is that those roles should be shared much more equally between women and men rather than the bulk of it being picked up by women. Here, here. Um, and <laughs> yeah, I'm sure we can all relate to that. Um, and then there are other things about the cultures within firms that are sometimes very male dominated. You know, so 
there's the sort of networking side where you you go to the well in Australia we say the pub you know the hotel and you have a few drinks with your mates after work um it's not very conducive sometimes to to women and especially in countries where there are norms around you know mixing between women and men and you know it these these are quite serious barriers for women progressing their career because a lot of a lot of informal chat leads to decisions in the formal workplace and women may not be a part of that. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So um, I think, you know, some of these things make it hard for women to sort of speak out and, um, and take a seat at the table if they don't feel comfortable. Well, thinking about that, you know, what, what are some things that others in the industry might be able to do to create a more diverse, inclusive environment within their own companies and teams? Um, well, we think that it's really important. Um, there are a number of family-friendly policies, for example, that firms could put into place that allow women and men to have more equality in the domestic sphere, you know, so parental leave, um, when a child is born and so that women and men can share that responsibility. Um, and there are also a range of other things like looking at the safety issues of work. Um, so, for example, recently I came from living and working in Papua New Guinea, which is a very male-dominated and very unsafe society for women in, in public venues. And it was really difficult for women to get promoted in the power industry there because a lot of the positions were remote and there just wasn't the security for um, for women to work there because, you know, sexual violence is such an issue. So companies look, need to look at some of these differential needs and there are there is always a fix for them um, and then look at the policies to to create those fixes. Um, so that's at the policy level. Um, but also informal things like, you know, mentors and role models so that so that girls, well, role models certainly, so that girls from a young age can see that there is a role for women in these jobs and women are, make good engineers. Um, so seeing women in those jobs is important, hearing their stories and also mentoring new engineers who are women and you know, making sure that they've got the support they need to achieve in that workplace. But there are some very basic things around inclusive work practices, you know, making sure that that you're not just, you don't just have um, a male-only panel, for example, or that you're not just meeting after work on Friday afternoons and it's just a big bunch of men, you know, how can you include women in some of these informal things can really send a message to women that they are valued. Plus, there's such things as um, having policies where a company will actually have targets to meet, you know, so that um, a certain number of women on the uh, will be women on their board, for example, and really having to make sure that that occurs. So accountability also is really important that if these policies exist, how are people using them and are they making a difference? So they're, they're just some of the things within their, their firms. But 
of course, there are things, you know, I said earlier that often these stereotypes start at an early age. So the whole school system um, is really important in making sure that that um, girls are excited by science and STEM and are able to, um, you know, sort of um, target those subjects over time and, and, you know, seek careers in that area. It's really, there are so many different pieces to the jigsaw, I think, not just one, there's not just one thing or one stakeholder who can fix this problem. Yes, but a bunch of people with intention can make differences. I think that's absolutely key. Um, Yeah. You've talked a little bit about how it can be difficult as a working woman, especially one in a leadership role, to find a healthy work-life balance. So maybe switching things a little off the general subject and back to you personally, what do you do to unwind and disconnect from your professional responsibilities? What are some of your hobbies and things you like to do in your free time? Mm -hmm. Well, um, actually, as a mother with four children, (laughs) that's a very good leveler. You know, when you get home, having just, I've just talked about this, um, this issue of, of juggling so many roles, a benefit to that, of course, is that you really have to be present at home and not you cannot take your work home um, and just focus on that for hours. So uh, it, that can immediately help, um, you know, make that transition from home, from work to home. But myself personally, um, and of course this is really hard when you are juggling different roles, but I do carve out time to do things like exercise it's absolutely essential to my mental health, having a walk in the morning. And no matter what's happening, I schedule that in. Um, plus, I really love reading. I love bushwalking. Um, just being in nature is really sort of refreshes my spirit. Um, reading is critical to me and also, of course, Netflix and TV, especially during the pandemic, has been a godsend. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, a lot of us have used it to just forget about the world and perhaps also entertain Mm. the kids who haven't been going anywhere. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. But in fact, podcasts, I love podcasts. And uh, that's also opened up a whole new world of information readily accessible that that I've really enjoyed. Yes, and how appropriate that now you're the guest on our our podcast here with Swee. We've got we have we have 120 or 130 episodes out there of our podcast series. So oh, you know you've got right. lots well, I'm to. Gonna, I'll download it. <laughs> yes, absolutely. You can find us on iTunes. Um, yeah. So uh, <laughs> absolutely. So a little bit, you know, giving, giving, getting back to our audience here. If you could give any one piece of advice to current engineers who would like to move up in the leadership ranks, what would that be? Well, I think. I mean, I'm thinking of my own career here. Um, I think it's about telling yourself you belong. You know. You are um, just as good, if not better, as other people at these jobs, and you should go for it. Um, you, you have a legitimate right and a place at the table if you're interested in any career, engineering or anything else. Um, just go for it. 
I also think it's really important to seek support, you know, find people around you who who want to help you achieve because no one can achieve difficult things by themselves. It's really crucial to be to to find your people and um and you know reach out and ask for help when you need to. And also ask for the things you need, not not just I mean, and here I'm talking about in contract agreements. You know, we know that one reason that women get paid less in some of these more professional jobs than men is that we don't ask for as much as men ask for. So, you know, um, own yourself. And if I think for me also I've had to find working cross-culturally that you really have to um, sort of, be self-aware but also feel good about who you are and that this is your leadership style and it's legitimate, even though it may differ from other people. Um, you know, you bring something special to the table and and own that feeling. Absolutely. Well, Susan, thank you again for taking the time to speak with us today. I think it was really interesting to hear from someone who who didn't come up through the engineering ranks, but um, shares a lot of similar perspectives I've heard before and also some unique ones for our audience. Thank you, Heather. As a reminder, it's not too late to register for We Local India or We Local Europe. Head to welocal.swe.org to learn more and register. I'm Heather Doty. For all of us at SWE, thanks for listening. <laughs>